the suitcase from the van Cause if you want the best But you don't ask questions Then brother, I'm your man Cause where it all comes from is a mystery It's like the changing of the seasons And the tides of the sea But here's the one that's driving me berserk Why do only fools and horses work? La 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 Oh, shut up, you tart. Au revoir, and welcome to a new episode of Only Goats and Horses with Bread Roll and JT. Au revoir indeed, everyone. And apologies, we've been away for quite a while, haven't we, Bread Roll? Life and things. I mean, we ended Series 5, we normally take a break, but that break kind of got extended for about three weeks to a month. So, yeah, we are back, and hopefully we'll be back on the weekly schedule now. But, you know, life happens, but we'll see what we can do. Anyway, this week we are looking at a Christmas special. Why not in the middle of August? It's called A Royal Flush. It aired on the 25th of December 1986, funnily enough, on Christmas Day. Now, there are two versions of this. There's the original cut, which is 76 minutes, and then a writer's cut, which is actually shorter, at 58 minutes. And this one aired to an audience of 18.8 million bread rolls, so another healthy number there. Very healthy indeed. And what better way to let your Christmas dinner go down than watching a bit of uh, Del Boy doing his thing? Um, <laughs> I love um, Christmas, like growing up. We'd always watch the, the Christmas specials. I don't remember watching this one when it first aired, but um, I do remember watching some of them and it was always great to have on a Christmas day. But um, yeah, very healthy number indeed. Absolutely. Now, this is a controversial episode, isn't it? Because it's possibly the most hated episode of Only Fools. And even John Sullivan was not a fan. And um, he apparently had to write it rather quickly. I'm not quite sure why, because I'm sure they must have known the Christmas special was on the cars. But anyway, for whatever reason, he didn't have much time to write it. And then when he went back, he didn't like a lot of Dale Boy's scenes, because Dale is a lot more sort of a bit of an asshole in this episode, to be honest. Um, so he asked for a lot of them to be cut out. And apparently that was still being done not long before it actually even aired on TV. So I don't know, it's a weird one. I quite like the episode, but apparently if you ask a lot of fans and... Now, if anybody out there let us know on Twitter, they, they really don't like this episode, but I actually do still quite like it. Yeah, I, I was actually um, quite surprised to read that. Um, actually, I know you've got the same versions I have, but for anyone out there who doesn't know, um, these specials, the 80s specials anyway, are all available on Blu-ray now, and they've actually done a good job with the transfer. And if you get the Blu-ray, you get both versions of this particular episode, which piqued JT and mine interest when we picked up that box set. So, oh, not, not out of this version before. But inside, you get a little booklet, and it gives you a bit of backstory. And in there, they were saying, like, one, the production was a bit, obviously, iffy, because it was really rushed, and they had to obviously make loads of last-minute changes. But, yeah, a lot of people not liking this episode, because I've always um, had a bit of a soft spot for this one. Yeah, I really, really like it. Um, I mean, I like all the Christmas specials, all the feature-length ones anyway. Um, yeah, I mean, Dale is a bit over the top in this, and obviously, we'll go through the synopsis in a second. But He's just being Dale, just on steroids, isn't he, really? He is, yeah, and you'd expect it in a Christmas special and stuff. Um, and again, even though the show was picking attraction and it was really popular, it never seemed to be like, oh, yeah, guaranteed, we've you know, renewed it for three or four seasons down the line. It was always kind of, you know, working to its means, wasn't it? After each sort of series, it's like, I don't think they knew they were getting another one until a bit later on. So I'd imagine each episode was being written or each sort of like section was being written just for like, this is the last one, then, you know, we're just going to do what we can with it, that sort of thing. It weren't planning for like what was going to come another sort of 10 years down the line. Yeah. And also, as we touched on last week, something we didn't realise, or last week, last episode is about a month ago now, um, 
David Jason was actually going to leave, wasn't he, when they did Who Wants to Be a Millionaire? So maybe that's why this one was a bit sketchy and a bit rushed because then he suddenly turned around and said, actually, I'm staying. So that could be a, a, one of the main factors why John Sullivan wrote it hastily. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, really good shout. I'd forgotten about that. But um, yeah, you're right. OK, then. So we have a look at the old uh, synopsis. This one's pulled from Wiki. It's not actually that big, considering it's a feature-length episode. Um, but we'll run through it. I haven't really proofread it that much, even though I, I watched this about two weeks ago. But we'll have a go at it. And as always, big shout out to Mr. Dan Parkinson for our opening theme tune there. Nice one. Thank you, Dan. Right. So as Dale Boy sells cutlery to the local market crowd, Rodney encounters a pretty young woman and abandons his lookout position to talk to her. At Sid's cafe, she introduces herself as Vicky. That's not technically correct. She had introduced herself before then. As the conversation develops, Rodney discovers that she is a lady, Victoria Marsham Hales of Covington House, Berkshire, the daughter of the Duke of Malbury, who is second cousin of the Queen. She also explains that her mother died in a skiing accident. Sensing the chance to make the Trotter family millionaires, Dale decides to assist Rodney's blossoming relationship with Lady Victoria, such as by acquiring tickets for the opera Carmen. Now that's cut out fairly big chunk there but um i've got a fair few notes and i'm sure you have as well bread roll i do like the way this opens up at the market we get some good old dale boy banter don't we yeah that's actually the first note i've got here i always like the market scenes and only falls and any episode even if they sneak it in the short one i always really like it but now this is really good when he's selling that bloody crockery and everything it's brilliant <laughs> those nights there's a guy who looks like james may isn't there and he asks him if they're sharp and he's like oh, sharp why don't you come here or something <laughs> and then there's a few extra lines in this bit i think the the guy says to del he's not a plonker del calls him a plonker and he just says i'm not a plonker which definitely isn't in the version that's sort of available on the standard dvd and the one they show on gold yeah there's also a line as well when um he's obviously this guy like i say he's leaning in and being a bit of a pain in the ass and everything um he's like there's two m's in recommend and Dale's like that's because they're indonesian and it's like fucking hell, Dale. <laughs> I do like sort of Vicky sat there at her stall when we first see her, and she looks over, and Rodney stood there looking all gormless, and she gives him that sort of look, you know, the sort of high look, and Rodney just looks back even more gormless. And I'm thinking, fucking hell, why'd she look twice at Rodney? He just stood there in his camo jacket, which doesn't fit him properly, looking like a right scrawny little shit, isn't he? Yeah, but eventually, like, what may as well pass for like two hours later, like, she's been smiling at him and just sort of looking over, and he like eventually clocks onto it. And he does that fucking that goofy ass smile of his. It looks like he's trying to do like a wet fart and not let anyone hear it, sort of thing. <laughs> he sort of like goes like sort of sl- like slinking over to her and speak to her and everything. But um, yeah, I, I quite liked um the chemistry. I think the chemistry between Vicky and Rodney and like, obviously the two actors more than anything else. Um, it works really well in this episode. I think she's quite a genuinely likable character for the most part. Yeah, she definitely is. Although I would say her artwork's a bit shit, but obviously that's <laughs> yeah. part of it. But we do get a little cameo from Trigg, don't we? He comes on and he wants to buy the knives from Dell, but it turns out they're the ones he'd already sold to him. He's like, no, they're not. They didn't have this on him. And Dell's put a fucking label on them, hasn't he? Yeah. <laughs> that's typical Trigg, though, isn't it? I mean, that's the only time we actually see him in this episode. We don't see a lot of anyone else. I think he's the only, like, of, of the normal side characters, he's the only one we see, isn't he? Yeah, he is. And he tries to help out Dale, doesn't he, when the, the copper comes along and he's like, Dale's like, just play along with me. And I, I was watching this and I was thinking, Trigg would never be that quick because Dale's like, obviously, pretending to be a tourist, speaking about four different accents. And Trigg is going, yeah, the hotel, park lane and all this. And it's like, Trigg, you wouldn't have been that. You'd just been stood there with a gormless look on his face, wouldn't he? That's true, yeah. There's also a bit here, um, and I thought it was a bit um, blunt, 
or blunter than usual for what they usually how they usually refer to trigger because when Rodney like um he's like saying to Vicky like you're selling you know um like paintings couldn't even find the word there apologies like they're she's selling paintings for like 70 80 quid she's like people don't pay 80 quid for a painting they don't pay 80 quid for a car you know around here like saying oh maybe you should go to like a better market and then he sees Dell's run off and everything so he sort of says he'll help her pack up and she's like, oh, what's your name, by the way? And he's like, Rodney. And then Trig's like, all right, Dave, from across the market. <laughs> and then she's like, um, you say something like, oh, my name really is Rodney. He's just very thick. And I thought that's yeah. quite a kind of like blunt response that they normally give to Trig. I know, obviously, that is the whole point. He is the half-wit and a bit thick. But they never usually like hit it on the nose that much when they talk about no. him, do they? They're normally quite nice about it, aren't they? But I suppose he's probably trying to impress Vicky. He's just told her something, and he's been completely contradicted. So... Maybe that's why. But you just saying there about Rodney noticing Dell's gone. He's such a shit lookout. He doesn't notice for ages, does he? He's like, she's like, oh, uh, who's that noisy little guy over there? Oh, that's my brother. But I think that's a little bit after actually she says that. But he's like, um, oh yeah, he's my brother. He's over there. Oh, oh, he's gone. He must have packed up and gone early. So he hasn't noticed the fact the copper's come along. Dell's been talking to Trig and he's fucked off in all that time. Yeah, especially because obviously Dell is never quiet. Because even Vicky says, "Oh, did you hear that like loud little man in the market? What a you know, what an idiot and stuff." She goes, "Oh yeah," and Rodney's like, "Oh yeah, that's my brother." But when the um the two coppers come along, obviously Rodney's slunk off to try and flirt with Vicky. Dell spots them coming like one down either side, and he like says all to the crowd, "Like oh, go on, go and get out of here. You'll get your collars felt and stuff." And it's like back then, I doubt the police would have like arrested people. I know they obviously might be buying stolen goods, but they wouldn't have been doing it in that sort of. Wait, would they? The only one who would have been arrested is Dell, really. I would have thought so. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> Rodney again shows his gormlessness here. So Vicky's obviously been giving him the eye. She's chatting him up a little bit, you know, showing interest in him anyway, genuinely. So he helps her load up the car and he's like, right, I'm off for lunch then. He's, he's going, isn't he? Before she says, oh, where'd you lunch? And she wants to go with him. It's like, God, Rodney, you're not seeing the signs here. She might actually quite like you. Yeah, exactly, because she does seem to have, like, quite a thing for him. And, you know, she's quite a nice girl in this, um, I, I think, anyway. Yeah, um, and, and at one point, he's like, he says, Kushti, and she's like, oh, Kushti, how frighteningly Albert Square. <laughs> yeah. I thought that's such a weird line. <laughs> <laughs> when they go to Sid's calf, or the fatty thumb, as Rodney affectionately calls it, uh, I don't think they ever call it that again, or they've called it that before. But anyway, apparently they do. It's massive, isn't it, his calf? It changes in every fucking episode we see it. I've got that and actually corrects me earlier. He's another, he is one of the other side characters we see briefly. I forgot yeah. that until I saw I saw my notes. But yeah, I swear Sid's cap has like four or five interiors as we kind of go through the, the saga as such. This is definitely one of the I don't want to say the nicer ones, but like you say, definitely one of the bigger ones. Yeah, we get an extra little scene here where um squeak, but I saw it a couple of weeks ago now. I can't actually remember what she says, but it's an extra couple of lines she has in this calf scene in, in Sid's calf. And then Rodney, and I've always wondered this, and I don't know if you know or you think the same or if it's just thrown in just for a, a line, but Rodney says about going to the art gallery, but it was shut when he went there. Did he actually go or was he just trying to impress her? I have no idea. That's a good thought, though. Um, I don't know. I imagine that Rodney probably would have tried to go at least once, obviously. But I do like the bit when he's like, she's saying, oh, she's, got, she's been studying art at wherever. And he's like, oh, yeah, I, I studied art in Basingstoke. <laughs> She's She's like, like, oh, what Basingstoke, <laughs> yeah. I've never heard of it. Well, it's a big town in Hampshire. Oh, no, 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 I've heard of Basingstoke, just not the art college. Oh, yeah, well, it was quite famous. 
fucking Basingstoke. <laughs> and uh, for <laughs> anyone who doesn't know, we live quite near, or I don't anymore, but I used to live quite near Basingstoke, and I'm pretty sure there isn't an art college there. There are two colleges, but I don't think either of them uh, specialise in art at all. But there we go. Obviously, that's just thrown in for comedy value because it's Basingstoke. No offence to people who live there. Yeah, yeah, that's a good shout. So it's probably like an art class or an art room. <laughs> I don't <laughs> think there's a dedicated college, like you say. <laughs> no, and then obviously Rodney pretends he likes opera. Do you like uh, opera, Rodney? Of course you do. And he's like, oh, yeah. Putting that gormless face when he hasn't got a fucking clue about opera. Yeah, I mean, he knows about much about opera. Is, um, actually, do we find out later on that he does like his classical music, though, doesn't he? Yeah. He actually, um, later on in the sort of saga and stuff, he actually turns out that he is really into it. But I don't know if he's actually into like the actual opera house as it were he just listens to the music yeah exactly and then i said the synopsis cuts out a bit it kind of cuts out the fact that obviously del and albert come home and rodney's there he's studying this book um and it's a book about the realm and stuff isn't it? he finds victoria and um henry in there the marsham hails and everything and then fucking Rod- dale's straight on it and the minute he says there's money in that family rod no, dale's all over the shop but initially he thinks the duke of melbury's a pub doesn't he which is quite funny yeah, there's some great lines there. I think it's an Albert one as well when it comes in. It's like, um, it's like I went down the library, what for? To get my shoes done. What do you think I went down there for? <laughs> yeah, the book, the book, the um, book, in it, they was like, books? Oh, is it a book about yourself or something, doesn't they? Yeah, teach it yourself book or something. <laughs> yeah. Albert's really harsh to Rodney in this whole scene, isn't he? They were saying, oh, maybe she wants a bit of, you know, a bit of rough in the, in the blue blood to sort of water it down and all that. Oh, she couldn't do any better than him. He's been really shitty to Rodney, isn't he? He is. I, I thought it um, wasn't off in this episode, but he didn't seem like, I don't know, his character didn't seem like it flowed as well as it had done previously. I mean, he's not in the episode that much. He's only got like one or two scenes, like this being one of them. And later on, there's a scene where he's in the kitchen when we get to obviously like uh, Vicky's home, the stately manor. And then other than that, he just kind of appears here and there with Del Boy once in a while. But he seemed like he was... um. He didn't quite have the kind of relaxation of playing his character in this. I don't know if you thought the same thing. I've never really picked up on it, but now you think you say about it. I mean, obviously, to Hollenbach was the last feature length, the first one, and obviously Albert was uh, shining in that. He was probably the main character in a way once he gets on the boat. Yeah, maybe you're right there. Didn't really think of it like that. But yeah, he's not in it a great deal. There is a good line in this um, scene before we move on where um, Rodney sort of points out Victoria at the bloody... um, the races and Dale was like, "Oh, she doesn't look like um, oh that Henry guy. She looks like you also, maybe." And I'm thinking, Dale, that's a bit harsh. She's quite a lovely looking lady. Yeah, that's right. I've just um, I think I might just answer my own question there, just saying about how the characters seem a bit off, and it might even answer why Dell may come across a bit harsher than he was intended to. Because um, this episode, I don't know, if we mentioned it at the start, but it was actually shot on film, wasn't it? It wasn't done. None of this was done in front of a live audience, yeah. and there's on the two versions, one of them has a laughter track edited over the top and the other version doesn't. So it might just be because it was on film and they didn't have anything to kind of react to, that sort of live audience reaction. That might be why they feel a little bit different in places. That's a really good shout, actually. Yeah, I mean, I, I quite lo- liked watching the ver- version without the um, the laughter track, which was the one I watched for this review. I thought it was, um, flowed a lot better without the laughter track, to be honest, because sometimes it sounds a bit fake when they do dub it over the top. And just before we move on to the next part, which is actually quite a chunk, so I probably will fall over it. Um, we've talked before about Dale having cash on the hip, and obviously Rodney wants to go to the opera, and no one can get tickets, even Henry and Vicky. Dale can, from Limpy Lionel, dodgy name, the ticket tout. And I imagine they must have cost a packet, and as we find out in a minute, Dale's bought all four of the bloody things, so where'd he get the money for those from? Yeah, I mean, knowing Dale, he probably blagged it and got them on sale or return somehow, or something <laughs> stupid like that. <laughs> 
Yeah, also in a minute, when we turn up, I'll, I'll go through it in the synopsis. Um, he turns up at that bloody place to buy Rodney this suit and he's got wads of cash, hasn't he? Yeah, yeah, he's fucking... Well, yeah, like I say, he's, I don't know why he's got so much money because he's, like, selling, like, massive suitcases of cutlery for, like, £1.50 or whatever he is. <laughs> I don't know why he's suddenly got, like, half a bank's fucking stock in his pocket. No, exactly, but there we go. So, on the night of the opera, Rodney and Victoria arrive, only to see that Dale was also attended, along with June Snell. She was last seen in Happy Returns. She's an ex-girlfriend of Dale and the mother of Rodney, one of Rodney's old girlfriends. Dale and June ruin the night by obnoxiously eating snacks, talking during the performance and arguing with each other and members of the audience. Nonetheless, Victoria invites Rodney to stay at Covington House for the weekend. Wanting Rodney to make a good impression, Dale insists that he dresses as a country gentleman in a tweed suit. He looks fucking stupid. Already uncomfortable during the weekend in Berkshire, Rodney is aghast when Dale arrives with a confused Albert in the van, claiming to have turned up to deliver Rodney's evening suit that he forgot, in inverted commas. Although Rodney knows that he packed it and Dale had removed it, so he had an excuse to turn up. As Rodney tries to calm himself, Dale introduces himself to Victoria's father, Henry, and invites himself to that evening's dinner, having accidentally brought his own evening suit. Dale takes part in their clay pigeon suit shoot using a pump-action shotgun borrowed from bank robber Iggy Higgins and quickly begins to anger Henry. So that's quite a big chunk there. We've got the whole opera scene and then obviously the, the bit at the sort of Covington house where they're shooting. It's quite a big chunk there. Yeah, it is. And that bit in the opera house, um, I was watching it a bit closer this time because I knew obviously, like we said, like reading that John Sullivan wasn't happy with some of the bits and pieces in this. So I've got a few comments on that. But um, the first bit, and it did make me laugh, is like when... Um, yeah, Vicky's like, oh, no, even we couldn't get tickets, you know. Um, you better make sure they're not fake. And then Rodney's like, shit, knowing that Dale's gone from, they might be fake. And then when the guy at the door is checking it, Rodney's just pulling this real fucking stupid face. That's my first line here. It's like, <laughs> surely Vicky would turn around and think, fucking hell, you're right. He pulls this massively, <laughs> I mean, even for Rodney, it's a gormless face, isn't it? And then it's like, two programmes, please. That's eight pounds. And Rodney's face again is like, fucking hell. I mean, eight quid these days, you wouldn't get one for that, I doubt. Yeah, that's like a month's wages for Rodney, though, isn't it? Eight quid. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if he's lucky. I love the fact he's actually wearing like a white suit as well. I mean, we see Dell later and he's got the normal kind of James Bond tux on, and he like the black sort of like penguin style suit and everything. But um, Rodney's just wearing like a fucking, he looks like a milk bottle. <laughs> he does, and then Dell obviously gets chocolate ice cream on it. Uh, it's weird as well because Victoria, Vicky, keep calling her Victoria, I don't know why. Vicky, um, she invites Rodney to this shoot, doesn't she? She's like, oh, you've invited me to a soccer match on Saturday, which turned out to be Chelsea. She's like, oh, I'm really sorry, I'm going to have to decline. And she goes on about the shoot. She's a lady of the house now. Would Rodney like to go? But it's almost like that's suddenly been arranged, and that's why she can't go to the football. But that shoot would have been arranged for fucking months, wouldn't it? It's such a big thing of all the, like, hoi polloi there, as Dale likes to call them. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I um, obviously I wouldn't do it nowadays. When I was younger, I used to work on the farms and near like some stately houses and that, doing things called beating and that. And I know like the shoots and everything, they're always ranged like well in advance because of just the nature of like what they do of like shipping off the pheasants and all that sort of stuff. But um, yeah, that wouldn't have been happening like a last minute thing. That would have been like probably planned like a year in advance, probably. Yeah, and then we, Rodney's face again when Dell arrives at the bar. It's just classic. And then June fucking turns up a couple of minutes late over her fucking tits almost hanging out, doesn't she? Yeah, she does. Because in, in Rodney, like, oh, this is, you know, the uh, the the opera house and everything, and someone's ordered the kissogram. I don't yeah. get, like, obviously they do reference the fact that it is Junie 
from obviously um, Happy Returns and stuff, and they do reference Rodney used to date uh, Debbie. But at first, it's like, how does Rodney not recognise her? I've thought that. I'm thinking, is he saying it as a bit of a joke because he's recognised her? But it doesn't seem like he has, does it? It's just, oh, they've all of the stripper gram. And it's like, well, that's obviously June. You know who she is. Yeah, I've always thought that. I mean, I quite like June. She's a great character, and it's good to see her back. Yeah, it is good to see her back. And it's a shame we didn't see her a little bit more. Obviously, we get um, Raquel coming up in the not-too-distant uh, future and stuff. But it would have been nice if she was in it a few more times. Um, one bit that makes me laugh is just fucking... It's typical Dell and Rodney, obviously, like they're quite obviously, I don't want to say lower class derogatively in that, but they're good old boys in that. And they ring the bell, don't they, to say that they can go into the theatre and everything. And they're like, oh, fuck no, he's called that early, like thinking it's the last orders. And they're trying to get loads of drinks off the bar. Yeah, there's an extra line in this, actually. Um, Gene mentions Debbie, we just mentioned her there. Obviously, Rodney dated her very briefly until Dell thought he was his daughter. Um, apparently, she's living with a Cypriot geezer now, and that's not in the, um, the cut that's available, sort of. Sort of widely on DVD and on gold. So, yeah, apparently Debbie's off with a Cypriot guy. So she's uh, still doing the rounds. Good old Debbie. Yeah, there's a few lines in this um, particular exchange that I think were in the extended one. There's a couple of bits. Um, but then when I actually go into the theatre, and it's, I don't know, it was almost a nightmare watching that. It's funny, don't get me wrong, but Dell is an absolute bell end and so annoying in this whole sequence. Like, he's like, rustling crisp packets and is like fucking trying to pass around a box of like licorice all sorts and then he's like got popcorn and he's got fucking ice creams all this stuff and i'm just like i'd have fucking punched him that's one of the reasons i don't go to the cinema now because there's always people rustling packets and crunching food and pissing about on their phones but he is an absolute nightmare in this sequence yeah he is i'm not really sure how the conductor can hear they rustling crisps though i mean it, i know it's loud but i don't think it'd be so loud the conductor can hear him and then at one point the bloody opera stops when Dell says something or does something i was like i don't think that would happen yeah and this, this bit's definitely extended between the two versions like in the original like he's trying to give them like an ice cream and stuff and it's like oh i don't eat ice cream what am i supposed to do with it and it's like well i don't know <laughs> you just went out and bought it and stuff and but they go through like loads of fucking sweets and you keep seeing them like dropping packets, don't you? And it's slowly building yeah. up by like uh, Junie and um, Dell's feet. I do, I do like the bit that I said that just uh, a minute ago. Um, Rod has obviously got his white suit on and Dell goes giving the ice cream and just sticks it on his suit. It's like fucking hell. Yeah, yeah it is pretty, uh, pretty mental. Um, and I think one of the reasons I could be wrong here, but Obviously, the opera, I can't remember the names of the songs they're playing, but there's one song that's completely not in the normal version of it. And it might be, is that a license thing, do you think, because they didn't have the rights to play that song on TV? Or is it just because they wanted to cut the scene short? I don't really know, Brad, or I haven't thought of it, to be honest. Yeah, quite possibly it's a licensing thing. We know we've had problems with that before. There's an extra scene as well where Dale just starts whistling along, doesn't he? Yeah, he does, which again, is just... when Because obviously some of this is extended now, but... And again, it applies a bit later on at the dinner table and that. Like, all the times that I've watched this, like, it hasn't really bothered me. It's just like, yeah, it's just Del Boy being Del Boy. But having said, obviously, knowing what um, John Sullivan said about it, uh, not being happy with how Del came across in this one, thinking about it from his perspective, I was watching it thinking, you know, I can kind of see what he's he's on about now because Del is, like, just more of a pain in the ass than usual in this particular episode. But had I not known that that was a case, I would never have watched it and thought Del was being, like actually malicious in this one or actually being annoying it's just Dell being Dell but actually watching it from the point of view of knowing that and that's how John Sullivan feels about it I was like yeah I can kind of see where he's coming from when you think about it that way he is a bit over the top in this one isn't he let's be honest um 
yeah, I, I kind of get that as well. Um, when they come out of the opera, obviously, Junie's being sick. We don't actually see that in either version. Um, possibly there might be a version of it, but I doubt. Um, I don't know why Why does Rodney get in the car with De- um, uh, Vicky. I know he's been with her. She's his date for the night. But where where are they going now? They're not. He's not going to go back to Covington House. She's not going to go back to Nelson Mandela House. So where do they actually go in the car? That's a good show, actually. Yeah. He just like gets in and like drives off where old Jeevesy turns up and picks her up. I yeah, I didn't actually think about how where she'd actually be going because yeah, a car like that wouldn't last long going around Nelson Mandela, would it? No, I've just I've never thought of it before. And I was like, so where actually do they end up? I'm assuming he got dropped off because we see Dale go off with um Jeannie and then obviously the next scene is um them in the shop, which uh yeah, it's a pretty full on shop, isn't it? It's just full of all the, the hunting gear and everything. And as I said, Dale just pulls out this massive fucking wad. And um, the shop owner, he's a bit like old um, matey boy from uh, The Longest Night, isn't he? He's like really faux posh, the shop owner. Yeah, yeah, he definitely is. And he's that typical snobby shop owner. Like, he doesn't want anything to do with him. As soon as, like, Dell whips out, like, fucking enough, like, 20s to choke a donkey, he, like, literally, his knob <laughs> comes out and he's like, couldn't be any more obliging, could he? It's that just typical sort of um, stereotypical shopkeeper. Yeah, exactly. And then it just cuts to the scene with Ronnie just stood there in his fucking tweed suit. And my God, doesn't he look stupid? <laughs> fucking hell. I mean, the amount of things they've dressed Rodney up and there's more to come. <laughs> Obviously, it's a saga goes on. But yeah, this is uh, one of the best ones. And a bit where it, fucking it's ridiculous. It's hilarious as well. But when um Vicky like gets his, her dad to give him a shotgun, it's like, oh, yeah, this is how it all works and everything. And he fucking turns around, like, pointing at him, like, going, oh, well, what do I say to do the thing? And he's like, they're all ducking, and he's doing this fucking stupid dance trying to copy him. <laughs> he's got the old earmuffs on, isn't he? So he can't hear them. Vicky's going up, and he's going down, and he's like, just waving his shotgun about. And he's like, oh, God, I've realised what I've done. And like his typical Gorman's face. Yeah, and then you got the dad. It's like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, uh, nothing to worry about, old chap, and all that sort of like uh, thing. But there's one bit here because uh, Rodney he goes to shoot the pigeon, doesn't or the clay pigeon, should I say? And then he sees the um, Dell's van sort of just go between a couple of hedges, so he completely misses. And then he's looking for it, and that reminded me uh, of the Hullin back when Denzel keeps thinking he sees the the three wheel van, like the van in like sort of oh, windows yeah. and reflections and stuff. It just gave me that sort of vibe. Yes, good shout. It's also great timing, isn't it? Just as Rodney pulls the trigger, he sees Dell. So, I mean, perfect timing. Movie 101 again. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> he's sneaking around. He's like, oh, I know, I saw you. And he's like sneaking around like a praying mantis. Obviously, he's not in his praying mantis suit this time, but he looks like he's off his tits. Well, why didn't someone turn around and see? Well, Vicky actually goes, are you all right? So, he looks like he's fucking wasted. Yeah, <laughs> it's hilarious. They must have been pissing themselves when they were filming that bit because Nicholas Linhurst just does it so well. But one thing I kind of like is like Vicky just seems to hate Dell, doesn't she? Especially after yeah. the opera and everything. She's been nice to him up until sort of then. Obviously, she's pissed off of him at the end when Junie's obviously been thrown up or something. But when he turns up at the shoot in a minute, um, like she's just shooting daggers at him, isn't she? Like for like the rest of the episode now. But obviously, she still really likes Rodney, just really doesn't like Dell. Yeah. I mean, Dell just turns up and just yanks that leg off the chicken and starts munching away at it. Henry comes in and he starts talking about the bloody derby with him. Then he kind of invites himself to dinner, as the synopsis said, sort of in a roundabout way. What? Stay for dinner? Oh, yeah, don't mind if I do. He's just such a twat, isn't he, in this episode? He is, yeah. And I'm surprised, like, the dad, because obviously sort of posh folk and everything. I'd, 
I know he's got to keep up appearances, but I'm surprised he didn't just say, no, I'm not having you here sort of thing and tell him to sort of like sling his hook or something. But they obviously let him come along for the sake of the episode. And Albert just ends up down in the fucking kitchen with the help, doesn't he? Yeah. Just before we do move on to the, the dinner scene, um, he's a bloody good shot with that sawn-off shotgun, though, don't he? takes those clay pigeons out. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I love the fact that, like you said in the synopsis there, where he got the shotgun from, like a bank robber's shotgun. Amazing. You see, he Egan's Rob's Banks. Yeah, but it's Saturday. Obviously, not so much these days, but banks weren't open on Saturdays back then. <laughs> so, at dinner, Dale gets drunk and starts offending the guests with risque jokes, implying a wedding between Rodney and Victoria is to be held, constantly talking about Leonardo da Vinci Rodney by revealing his conviction for possession of cannabis. Dale finally angers Henry enough by telling a skiing joke, despite knowing if Victoria's mother died in a skiing accident. I don't think we actually see that, but there we go. In a fit of rage, Henry demands Dell meet him outside. As the two leave, uh, Victoria asks Rodney if he's still staying overnight. Rodney reluctantly de- declines and decides to leave, both understanding that they should not see each other again. Outside, Henry orders that Dell, Rodney and Albert are to leave his house immediately. Dell tells Henry that Rodney may need to be paid off to leave Victoria alone. So this whole scene here, there's a few extra bits in, the, in this sort of version on the Blu-ray, isn't there? Yeah, there is. It's just extended dialogue. Um, because there's one bit where, um, later on, spoiler alert, we'll get there in a minute. Like when they're in the flat, Rodney's like, "You told him the joke about like the the Irishman doing something," and then he actually in the normal cut, you don't hear any of that. But there's a sequence where he's telling several jokes and he starts to tell that one, and then the guy obviously kicks off and shouts at him. So it's actually quite worth watching if anyone can get their hands on it. Um, I say it's available on the Blu-ray. This scene is actually quite heavily extended there's a lot of dialogue in there that i've never seen before yeah there is rodney's still got his white suit on with the ice cream stain as well hasn't he obviously the one that dale brought him but it's got the fucking stain on it still yeah absolutely you would have thought they'd try to have it dry cleaned or something beforehand <laughs> you would have thought so is that they're both trying to impress them um and then obviously dale starts going about bloody da vinci's and that goes on throughout the whole thing that's a bloody da vinci ends up with done outside his office yeah absolutely and um I kind of the bit where um, obviously they all kick off and they're leaving, and then Vicky turns around to Rodney. She goes, "So are you not staying the night?" Then I couldn't tell. Like she was actually genuinely disappointed. Like despite everything, obviously they just said, "Oh, Rodney got kicked out. He was in Basingstoke for three weeks and got kicked out for doing drugs and all that sort of stuff." And even though we know it was only just a bit of pot, um, but she doesn't actually seem that phased by it. And I'm like, is she saying that to be like she doesn't want him to stay now? Um, or yeah. is she genuinely disappointed? I couldn't quite get the levy on where she was. But like, as a character, is she like not fond of him anymore, or does she still like him? Yeah, it's a bit of a weird one, isn't it? Because I think she does genuinely like him. It certainly looked like up until then. Obviously, Dell is the problem, which we know, and that's we'll come to that in a second. Um, yeah, it's a weird one. She sort of goes, or not, as if to say, I don't really want you to, but actually, I do want you to, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, that's how I was feeling about it. It's, it's, I don't know, she's a woman, isn't she? Let's not go there. <laughs> <laughs> there's, a few, there's another extra scene here with Albert downstairs, and that um, Patterson or Peterson, I can't remember what his name is, the, the guy treads on peas. Um, and it, obviously Albert's saying, don't feed them, Mr. Trotter peas and everything. They get they go everywhere, and he's like, yes, I know, and he's trodden on them. <laughs> <laughs> and he does his um, typical, doesn't he? Like, the woman's talking to him and stuff, and it's like, oh, I, I, you must have seen some things in the war, and he's like... <sighs> I'll never talk about it. And then it sort of cuts back to the table, right, with Dell and everyone, and comes back down, and Albert's giving this, like, massive speech and everything, and the one guy just sort of sat there with his head in his hands, like, bloody hell. 
yeah, Albert and his lovely story. He's having a good time down there, though, isn't he? And then, um, I do like the bit where um, Vicky says to Rodney, I think he's a little drunk. And Rodney's like, he's always been a little drunk. I do like that line. Yeah, and Dell slowly becomes more and more dishevelled as he's getting drunk, doesn't he? Like, at the start, he's got, like, his tux on and everything properly. And by the end of it, like, his hair's all over the fucking place, his tie's undone. He's sort of slouched into his chair and that and just drinking away. But, again, it's one of those scenes, as I say, now that, obviously, I know John Sullivan had issues with it. When I watch it, I'm like, yeah, to be fair, I can see where he's coming from. But up until then, like, had I not known that, I still would have watched this and just thought it's just Dell being Dell. Yeah. I mean, he's going on about... um Vicky and Rodney getting married to that woman sat next to him, who's again a bit too faux posh for me. But um, he's he's talking so loud that everyone else must have heard him. Rodney and Vicky are right opposite him. I think uh, Henry's at the other end of the table, but there's loads of people around him, and she's like, says something. He's like, "Oh, be careful, you know." Um, Andy and what's his name, uh, Fergie, they couldn't even fart about anyone noticing. But he's being properly loud, and no one else seems to hear him. Yeah. Yeah, it's true, actually, because it's not that long of a table. And obviously, with the high ceilings and how loud he's talking, it would definitely echo around. Yeah, and we get Rodney um, talking about Chelsea again, my, my team, obviously. And there's a couple of extra scenes here. They talk about Kerry Dixon um, being a Chelsea player, which was around that time. My um, my first ever favourite Chelsea player, that is. There we go, Brad Roll. So I was quite oh, happy to see that extra scene put in there. And then we get the old uh, Rodney talking about Basingstoke. How long were you there, old chap? Three weeks. And he's turned, he goes, three uh, uh, weeks? And that's when Dale goes, yeah, it wasn't his fault. They weren't his drugs. And that's obviously when it probably kicks off. Yeah. See, that's the line where I think, you know, it's a bit on the head. Because I wouldn't have thought Dale would actually have said something like that, even if he was drunk, especially considering how much, like in his head, you know, Roddy's going to marry into like a really wealthy, well-to-do family. I just don't think that would be the normal type of response he would have given in that situation. But it could just be me. Yeah, I mean, uh, the only thing I can think of is obviously he, he went down there with the intention of making Rodney, you know, have a good impression. But maybe as the evening went on, maybe he thought, shit, this isn't actually going to happen. You know, Rodney has got this conviction. You know, he goes on about sticking umbrellas at me, Jaxi, in a minute. Um, <laughs> so maybe, you know, even though he's drunk and he's Dell, he thought, shit, maybe I'll just take a grand and make a runner here. Maybe that was his thought. It just completely flipped on his head. Yeah, yeah. Quick quick buck, Dell, isn't it? <laughs> Yeah, I mean, Henry gets properly aggressive with Dale as well, doesn't he? When he's like, that's a bloody Da Vinci, and he's got him up against the fucking wall at one point, isn't he? I want you and all your kith and kin off my premises now! He's probably having a go at him. I thought he was quite genuine when he got to this part. Like, when you first meet yeah. him, he's just got that normal kind of, like, posh, well-to-do, like you say, faux-posh type voice. But I thought this um, sort of back end of the performance was actually really good. Like you say, he probably has Dell up against the wall, but Dell doesn't seem the sort of clock that he could actually be in trouble. He's just too drunk and trying to sort of like slide his way past it. But I thought it was a good performance. Yeah, it's brilliant. I mean, that guy, I can't remember his name now, but he's been in quite a few things. I'm looking at his IMDb a couple of weeks back when I did this. Um, I do like the fact when he's like, I don't care if you're related to the Surrey Trotters, the Berkshire Trotters, or the Hardy Harlem bloody Globe Trotters. <laughs> I <forgot> that. <laughs> Yeah, it's a good line. <laughs> yeah, so let's have a look at how this one wraps up then, bread roll. So back at the flat, a fuming Rodney rants to a hungover Dell, although he's not hungover yet because it's still the same night, how he always ruins his opportunities to make a success of his life by getting involved, and he injures his hand by punching a vent cover out of annoyance. After Rodney reveals that he refused an offer of a £1,000 payoff from Henry to stop seeing Vicky, infuriating Dell, who had arranged the offer, Dell tells that... Dale says that had Rodney refused to stop seeing Vicky, 
he would have probably been assassinated by the special branch because of his conviction for drug use. Dale half-heartedly apologises to Rodney and asks him to shake his hand, but this turns out to be a play for, play for Dale to inflict pain on Rodney, refusing the £1,000 by squeezing his injured hand. I don't really like the end of this one. It's not too bad when they're having the argument just outside the flat, which looks different yet again, obviously. Um, but the ending's a bit weird just when he squeezes his hand and he's just that's the end, isn't it? Yeah, see, that's the bit where I would have thought that is obviously Dell taking it too far. And I like to say squeezing his injured hand actually hurting him physically because they never really get that far of each other up until then. Like I say, the argument is sort of coming home and just kind of rounding off the episode like they normally do, finishing it off in the flat is fine. But yeah, that ending I'm not a fan of. But we do actually get to see the hallway outside the flat again, don't we? And it's uh, randomly just a really weird set, just a grey kind of panelling. But someone's just put like Millwall on the wall and that's literally <laughs> the only bit of graffiti it's got of all things. Yeah, it is, isn't it? I mean, I do wonder how they drove home because Dell's fucked. Rodney's probably had a couple, or he's probably not sober anyway now, but apparently he's not sure. We don't know if he can actually drive the van. We have a brief moment in the later episode coming up. So how the hell did they even get home? Yeah, plus it's obviously got to be a fair old drive as well, hasn't it? Out in the sticks to like central London. Yeah, it's just a bit of a weird one, that. Um, obviously, we get to hear about uh, Dale mentioning up Rodney's dreams again. I mean, he constantly does it, but in this one, I mean, I suppose in the last time he did it, well, we had um, he wants to be a, be a millionaire, but that wasn't really Dale messing up Rodney's dreams. He messed that up himself. But the one with Debbie, I mean, Dale genuinely did think Debbie was his daughter, so he didn't really do that one on purpose, did he, at the time? No, I mean, he was trying to stop uh, Rodney from getting some incense. So, Yeah. <laughs> Rodney says, oh, his grace, Henry, called him into his office um, to obviously offer him the £1,000. So where was Dale while this was going on? Was he drinking more? Had he passed out? Because he was in uh, Henry's office just before that. Yeah, I can only assume that um, his lordship threw him out on his ear and then <laughs> called Rodney through sort of after on uh, afterwards and did it then. But yeah, it is a bit of a strange sequence. One thing I thought as well, just randomly watching this, as the flat looked like it had been cleaned. I don't know if you thought that. It might have been a game because it was shot on film and maybe they redid the set for it, ready for a new sort of series coming up or anything. But the flat actually looked like really clean. It still had all the stuff and the, all the rubbish in the background, not all these like random stock, but the carpet looked clean and just looked a bit spick and span for once. I've never noticed that, bread Well, next time I watch this, which probably won't be that long because it's on gold quite a bit, um, I'll have to have a look at that because I never noticed. Um just um, as well, Dale only asked um, Henry for a grand. And I know obviously money's different back then and the grand's probably worth five, ten grand now, but it still doesn't seem like a lot considering how much money Henry would have had. He, he only asked him for a grand. Yeah, I was thinking that because Dale, obviously, as we know, he, he'll push for every penny he can get, really. He's a chancellor and stuff. So you'd have thought he'd have wanted something a lot, you know, like I say, a bit more, like five grand, ten grand, even something ridiculous. But um. I guess, yeah, again, where this was just kind of hastily written, as we know, they just sort of threw that in there just to say that he wanted some kind of payoff so he didn't leave the night empty-handed, which obviously he ended up doing anyway. Yeah, I mean, when Albert fell down the hole, the brewery were going to settle for, what, five grand out of court, weren't they? So I think Dale's like, no, nah, I want more than that. So I just thought that wasn't really much. I mean, and he, he wanted three grand for the baby from, from Boise, and obviously a baby's worth a lot more than three grand. I mean, you don't, you don't sell babies, so people don't think I do. But, you know, he only wanted three <laughs> grand for the baby. But I don't know, I just thought a grand didn't seem like a lot from um, you know, a wealthy man who probably would have given it to him just to get Rodney out of um, Vicky's life. Yeah, yeah, that's a really good shout. Just before we do wrap up as well, obviously people don't like this episode. Dale is a bit of a dick, and we've discussed he probably is 
bit over the top even for Dell. But did he do it for Rodney in the end? That you know, or did he just get it to get the ground? You know, did did he think shit? Actually, Rodney could get generally hurt here. You know, after he thought about the drug conviction, or did he just think fuck it? I don't want Rodney to to be successful as Rodney seems to think he does, and um, just think I'll just get a ground out of this and move on. It's a bit of a weird one. It is, yeah, it's one of those ones where I suppose you're supposed just to take it as it comes, really. But when you think about it, it's like we know Dell and Rodney would never actually do anything to really hurt each other because um, that's just not the way they are, really. Even though, obviously, that's why that handshake at the end, as I said, feels a bit um, out of kind of kilter, really. But, um, yeah, it's a good thought, actually. And I really, I don't know what the um, the sort of like the, the sway is there with Dell, but in real life, he'd have just been too pissed to make a decision anyway. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. But obviously, this is a standalone episode, as all these have been really so far. So we don't see Vicky again. We never hear about this again. Um, Rodney's hand seems to heal by the time we do the next special, which will be our next episode. And um, everyone seems happy again. Yeah, they do. They uh, they sort of, sort of forgive each other and move on pretty quickly in this one. And um, I don't really have any more notes or much else to say about this particular episode. I don't know about yourself, JT. No, I'm pretty much all wrapped up there, Brad. Well, I mean, although we've, we've said Dale is a bit over the top and all that, as, as we both said at the top, I do still kind of like this episode. I think he's a good character. She's likeable. She's a pr- pretty woman. Um, Henry's really good as well I think the guy who plays him Albert might be a little bit off and Rodney obviously is just Rodney but yeah overall I really like this episode even though a lot of people don't yeah no I agree I've always had a soft spot for this one it's one of those specials I think probably an episode that a lot of people probably don't remember that much like if you said um, a royal flush people would be like oh which one's that again and it probably doesn't like come to mind as quickly as something like you know Jolly Boys Out or anything like that but um no, it's a good episode. I think it flows pretty well. Um, even the extended one, I think it worked. And again, like watching it, knowing now what obviously we know about it, I can see why John Sullivan might not like it. But for me, I don't think it ruins the episode at all. I still think it's really good. Yeah, exactly that bread roll. Yeah, definitely. I mean, you say people don't remember it. I always forget the bloody name of it, don't I? I'm like, what's that one with um Vicky <laughs> in it? I can't remember the bloody name of the episode, although I know it back to front pretty much. Yeah. Um. Yeah, so that's our take on A Royal Flush. Um, let us know what you think about this episode. If you've enjoyed the episode, obviously let us know in general, but let us know what you think of this particular um, episode of Only Fools and Horses. And if you've seen the extended version, your thoughts on the scenes that were cut from the TV version, you can drop us a message at the Hyperbaric Ghosts on Twitter, where you can also keep up to date with all our episodes and join in on our other podcast where we review movies weekly. A bit of a shameless plug there, but it's all in good fun. If you like your movies, go ahead and listen to that one as well. Indeedy. And hopefully we will be back on the weekly now this one. We've got another special next week, haven't we, Bredwell, before we start Series 6? We certainly do, yeah. So we'll try and uh, keep things well scheduled. But unfortunately, life does get in the way sometimes. But um, we'll try and be a bit more regular. And with the episodes, we are doing them in sequence along with the series. So if there's an upcoming episode that you're particularly fond of um, and know any tidbits or behind-the-scenes information about it, then again, drop us a message and we'll give you a bit of a shout-out and uh, relay that information in the episode when we're recording. Or even if you want to come on, you know, you can look at our yeah. schedule, see what episodes are coming up. You're welcome to come on and have a chat with us because, you know, we'd love to have another thought on here about these episodes. Yeah, great shout. Get in touch. Let us know what you want to do. And um, as always, to all our listeners, thank you very much. I'm sorry we've been away for a few weeks, but as JT said, hopefully we're back somewhat regularly from uh, now on. And um, this is Bread Roll signing off. And for me, JT, I've just got one last thing to say. Tell you ho there, Rodders. No income tax, no VAT, no money back, no guarantee, black or white, rich.
Joe. We'll cut prices and a straw.